This is Lead Minister Nathan Pelahowski of RSCC. I just want to welcome you to the RSCC podcast. Here's something I want you to know. I want you to know that you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says that you matter when he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Today I hope this message challenges you and encourages you to take your next faith step. All right. Thanks, Nathan. Well, um, just a little context. Uh, Some of you... I doubt will remember, I actually served at Rising Sun Church of Christ back in 2000 and 2001 for about a year and a half. I was a youth minister here. Uh, and so uh, I have uh, some, I was driving into town today. One of the first times I've driven back in a number of years, I was back uh, a handful of years ago. I did Shane White's wedding here um, and the gym had recently been built. It was the first time I'd been in it at that point. I remember when I was here, there was a model that existed of the future gym that was to be. Um, and so I, that was the only concept I had of it until the day I stepped in here. Gosh, I, I guess it's been more than 10 years ago. And uh, so it's, it's exciting to be back here with you. Nathan and I have had a chance just to kind of get to know each other and just connect over the last handful of months. Um, just a little bit of history for me. Just uh, I was here up until uh, about June of 2001, May, June, uh, moved over to Northern Kentucky, served there in Northern Kentucky as a high school pastor for nine years. Um, and then in 2011, uh, my family and I, we moved over or moved out to Las Vegas and served in Las Vegas uh, for just under eight years. And about two, uh, a little over two years ago, we moved back to Northern Kentucky and have been there ever since. And uh, uh, sometime in 2020, about mid, just like everybody in, in 2020, everything was switching and changing and all that stuff. And so we decided, like everyone else, you know, common sense is let's do a career change in the middle of 2020, because um, that's probably the easiest time to do that, right? Um, so in June of 2020, I joined the staff at Agape International Missions. Um, and this was an organization I had gotten to know when I was on staff out in Las Vegas. They were a mission partner of ours. And during my time there, I actually got to be the missions pastor and I got to know AIM for short. So from here on, we'll just say AIM because it's a little bit easier. Um, I got to know AIM really well. I got to spend time with them in the country of Cambodia on a handful of occasions. I got to know their staff really, really well. I got to see the work up close, get to know their story. Uh, And I I wanna share that story with you guys uh, of what AIM does and what we're doing and how you guys can be a part of that. Uh, So AIM is on the ground in Cambodia and beginning in the country of Belize this year. And so we work uh, to fight child sex trafficking. And so that's a pretty heavy topic. Um, And so just kind of give you a fair warning, some of our our content will be uh, around that subject, but just to kind of give you an an idea of where we're going. But but for me, this really became personal. On on one of my trips in 2017, I was staying on the street uh, out front of my hotel and I was leading a group from my church and we were waiting for dinner. And so as you do when you're leading a group, you wait for the group to come down and then we take the group uh, to somewhere in town and we, we eat dinner together. And uh, so we're waiting and we're staying there. It's getting dark. And I just remember uh, I saw this guy walking down the road and he was walking hand in hand with a Cambodian boy. And you know, there are times in life when you see things and you just go, that's not right. Like this just doesn't belong. This doesn't fit. Well, this was one of those moments of extreme clarity for me of this guy should not be with this kid. And I just stood there and I can, I can honestly, I can say, I don't remember what the guy looked like. I just remember uh, he was a Westerner. This was a Cambodian boy. This combination just didn't make sense to me. 
And so I just stood there. The boy had no shoes on. He was carrying a stuffed animal. I can remember that plain as day. And they walk right past us as we stood on the street. And I just stood there and it's like, well, what do you do? What do you do? Like, you know it's not right, but what do you do? Because you're not equipped for this moment. You're not, technically we'd been coached, don't do anything in this moment. Because we'd ask, like, hey, if we see something, what do we do? He's like, don't approach them. They're, they're actual, like, things you're supposed to do. That's not one of them. Well, they went on down the road, and, and I stood there, and I was, and again, I'm a, I'm a father of three boys, and just this was really deeply personal for me. Um, and so our group, the, we were still waiting on one of our group members to come down, and so another friend of mine, we waited for them to come down, and the rest of the group started off to dinner. And just in that moment, like, our group member came down, and it was like, we got to go after the guy. And so we just started walking down the street after this guy and this kid. And again, I don't, I hadn't rehearsed in my mind, like, what am I going to say when I get there? What am I going to do? I hadn't thought that far ahead. And so we get going, and, and again, we, we're, we're a little bit behind because it took us a moment to get going. And so we get to the next intersection, it's really crowded, and they disappeared. They're gone. I don't know where they went. And I remember in that moment, I was so mad, like fuming mad, anger that has no words. I'm sure many of you have experienced that before where you've been so angry, you couldn't even say anything. That's what I felt in that moment. For me, it was a personal defining moment that I said, I can't, I have to find something to do to stop this. I can't just stand by and let stuff like this continue to happen. And that was kind of that switch for me of going, okay, what can I do? What can I do? to ensure that this kind of thing gets stopped in its tracks. And so at AIM, we, we stand uh, in the gap. We try to stand for the exploited and the voiceless. Um, so let me give you a bigger picture of this. So many of you have probably heard the phrase human trafficking. It's most commonly referred to that in this day and age. Uh, years ago, it would have just been called slavery. And we call it human trafficking uh, today. Um, let me give you a little bit of a definition. Uh, just for context, uh, women and girls forced into commercial sex um, to the profit of a trafficker. Men and children coerced, coerced into working in hazardous conditions under debt bondage or unfair wages. And these are just a few examples of what this is. Um, I'm going I'm to show you a couple slides. I'm going to give you some numbers to work with here. Uh, it's estimated right now that 40 million people are living as slaves at some place in the world today which they say is more than ever before. 40 million people. All right, let me, let me give you a little bit of context on that. That's more than the population of the state of California. So you think about that. That's a huge state. And there are 39 million people and change that live in California. And we're talking more than that are estimated to be living in slavery today. Let me break it down a little bit more. One in four of those are kids. 10 million kids trapped in slavery somewhere around the world. A little bit more, 4.8 million people are trafficked for sex. And 21% of those are kids. So here's what I know. I know that we sit with that tension and we just have this feeling of like, that's not right. That kind of stuff should not be happening. 
But I also know that, that so, sometimes we don't know what to do with that. We, we kind of get this idea of like somebody needs to do something about that. Somebody needs to stand up for those people. Somebody needs to be a voice for them. I go to Psalm 82.3. It says this. It says, defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. And I go to that because I, I would assume that many of us have that feeling within us when we hear an injustice like this. Where we go, somebody has to do something. Somebody has to defend the weak, stand up for the oppressed. That's hardwired in us because of our creator. We're made in the likeness of our creator. That's his passion, is to stand up. That's why we feel that. That's why we feel that tension right now. But, but I would say this. I think there are a lot of times we hear of an issue like this and we immediately eliminate ourselves. We convince ourselves that somebody else needs to do that kind of work because, and insert our reason for elimination here, we just immediately think, I'm not qualified to do anything about that. To, to be honest, that's what I felt. When I came back from my trips from Cambodia, I, I saw things I can't unsee, and I, I, I don't have time to tell all the stories, and, and you experience things that, that you, you just don't have words for. And I just remember coming home and I'm like, what do I do? I, I want to do something. So I looked into it for a while. I'm like, I don't have a law enforcement background. Because again, my, my tendency is like, let me just go kick a door down. I'm going to kick a door down. I'm going to arrest somebody. But that's not my background. That's not my skill set. Or I didn't have a background in counseling or therapy that so often is a part of the aftercare process. And so I, for a long time, struggled with, well, what do I do? And I began to find my place at AIM a little over a year ago, and the opportunity to connect and help mobilize churches in this fight, to blend my background in working as a pastor with my love and passion for the work AIM does. But it's easy at times that we immediately hear of an issue like this. So if I just threw this out at you, and I just said, hey, 40 million people are, left to, are living in slavery, and I just walked out of the room, most of you would be like, I, I don't know what to do with that. And we would make... We would just eliminate and convince ourselves, well, I have nothing to offer in this. That's too big of an issue. That's, that's too much, right? Changing the world seems like too big of a job for me. But I would bet that each one of us at some point in our lives have wished that we had the ability to change the world. Like I, we see something that captivates us, captures our attention, and we say, man, I wish I could change the world. What if you could? So back in 2005, Ames founders, Donna Bridget Brewster, were in their early 50s. And they became very, very aware of the issues that were facing the country of Cambodia, how children were being exploited. And they came to the conclusion that we have to do something. And so they crafted a plan a plan that on paper looked great, had all the things, and they, they brought it to another uh, NGO leader in the country of Cambodia. And he asked them things like, well, do you, are you guys teachers? Are you doctors? Are you lawyers? Like all these questions. And they're like, no, no, no. Don had actually been a pastor on staff at a church out in California. The guy actually said, well, it may be better for you if you just went home and sent money. You talk about just kind of having that sinking feeling of maybe we were right to think that we weren't the right people for this. 
But they knew that that wasn't what God was calling them to do. And so they just took the next step and took the next step. Bridget has often said this, is don't ever underestimate what God will do with your yes. Because that's what it was for them, was just simply saying one yes, and then the next yes, and then the next yes. Because it's easy to believe that changing the world is too big for me, but it's not too big for God. Romans 8.37, Paul writes, he says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And I love this because it frames this thing of like, we are more than we think we are because of who he is. Because if I just sat and I thought, well, based on who I am, I'm not qualified to do this. And in many cases, that's absolutely true. But because of who he is, we are far more capable than we believe we are. Right? We, now, here's also what we understand. This whole journey of AIM since 2005 has been full of incredible challenges. It has not just been this smooth sail and this ride, and, and they said the yes the one time, and then everything just came and fell into place. It has been a roller coaster. It has been an extreme learning curve. It has been one challenge after the next. But at every step of the way, we have had leaders who have just said yes. Yes. So AIM grew from one aftercare center in the country of Cambodia. And immediately we, we opened the aftercare home thinking, well, this will take some time to fill up and uh, this is really be our primary focus. Well, it filled within a matter of months. It was full. And so it became abundantly clear that there was far more that needed to be done to address this issue on a holistic level. Let me, let me share what those things are. The first thing we do is we rescue. We rescue. Now, when I say rescue, I know a lot of you are like, um, like a SWAT team? Yes, like a SWAT team. AIM started a SWAT team back in 2014. And it came out of a response of a failed rescue attempt. We, we had gotten a tip from a girl who was currently trapped um, and she called us. And it took us three days to organize the raid. And we were doing it with a partner organization at the time. And uh, we show up to do the raid and it's empty. The owner had gotten tipped off and he moved all the kids. It took us 22 days to find them, to locate her. And what's incredible was she, she told the owner at one point, I'm not scared. AIM's coming for me. And so he actually like sent her away. We came to find out later in the 22 days she'd been trafficked 198 times. And we kind of began to drive this, this phrase that we say often is one girl is too many and one day is too long. And so in 2014, we started a SWAT team. The SWAT team since that time has done um, over 1,600. We're, we're approaching 1,600 rescues, over 440 arrests, and, hand, and here's what's awesome, hand-in-hand hand with the Cambodian law enforcement, which has opened up incredible opportunities to do these rescues and these arrests. And again, we as Christians, we, we, we understand this concept of rescue. It's, it's the gospel, Right? It's the gospel. 
God rescued us from something that we couldn't rescue ourselves from. So as a, a follower of Jesus, rescue is deeply personal. It's ingrained in our story. Let me tell you about our largest rescue to date. I have a picture of a brick factory. The brick factory, they, they take the dirt from this pile in the back, the dirt and the clay, and they pack them. And these are out here. They're drying currently, and they'll soon be placed in a kiln. The kilns in Cambodia are gigantic, very uh, triangular in shape, and they're very deep. And they sometimes have these little nooks and crannies. Well, uh, we came to find out that they were using kids uh, to work in the brick factory. And it's very dangerous work. And the reason we found out was a girl was actually hurt. She had been hurt. And so it kind of tipped us off that there was something more going on here. So over the course of five months, we rescued 30 children from a brick factory who were being used for labor, put into places they should have never been in dangerous situations that they didn't belong and so we were able to find them safe housing and safe places. The second thing we do is we focus on healing. Healing. Again, this is deeply personal. We understand this as a part of the gospel. We understand the transformation that takes place when we step into a relationship with Jesus. The old is gone, the new has come. The priority in our healing and our aftercare is that girls can understand and experience the tangible love of Christ. So we have incredible house moms, counselors, social workers who just exemplify Christ in the lives of these girls. And it's been incredible. Here, here you know, give me some stats. I'm going to give you something where just really is kind of blows our minds at times. Um, in our aftercare home in Cambodia, we call it the ARC, the AIM Restoration Center. We have on average around 60 girls there at any given time, and they stay as long as it takes. The healing process is as long as it takes, and they're part of the process and, and, uh, and making the decisions that go along. With, um, there's a slide I want to show you. There, there's a picture. It, this is what's called a princess ceremony. When a girl comes into the aftercare home, they gather together and they do a princess ceremony to welcome her. And she gets a crown, and she gets a lockbox where she can store her things, her belongings. And it's this idea of we welcome you here. You are a child of God. You are cherished. You are loved. And so every girl gets a princess ceremony when she arrives because we want her to understand that from the beginning that God loves her and that we love her. And so that's how they are welcomed in. Uh, and in the aftercare process, they receive uh, trauma-based cognitive behavioral therapy. They get vocational training. They have an opportunity to catch up on their education if necessary. We also have three transitional homes in the country of Cambodia that allow women to move back out onto their own to more independence to back out into their own communities. Uh, we're now beginning a new restoration home in the country of Belize. That'll be open uh, hopefully later this year. So far, over 900 girls and women have experienced healing through AIMS aftercare efforts. The third thing we do is we empower. We empower we help women get back on their feet because the long-term goal is helping people get reintegrated back into their community. Again, we understand this. Like this is kind of how the church works, right? We come together, we get, we get trained, we get encouraged, and we get sent out. It's the same thing that happens in this part of our ministry at AIM is uh, women are, are empowered to live a life of freedom through things like goal setting, safe employment, sustainable income, 
All of these things play a pivotal role because here's what we saw in, in doing the research and, and beginning to develop all of this. We understood that uh, having employment was critical in reducing the rate of repeat. Women weren't susceptible anymore. They weren't targets of traffickers any longer. They weren't, they didn't feel the need to have to go back into that lifestyle because they had a way to provide for their families. And at AIM, we've seen a 99% success rate in that because of offering safe employment. Hundreds of, of girls and women have been impacted by our reintegration efforts through employment. Whether they're employed with us at AIM, where they get to learn uh, different skills, a couple pictures here of, of, of different things they're doing. Uh, they're learning t-shirt making. So the shirt I have on, they made. And they, they're learning garment making because that's also a, a job that's available in the marketplace within Cambodia. And so that's a skill that they take with them. The second thing they do is they make jewelry. They've actually made jewelry that uh, you may have seen at Hobby Lobby. And they make different bracelets and necklaces and just different skill sets that they can take forward with them into the, in the marketplace there in the country of Cambodia. Because we understand there's, there's significant empowerment that happens when they understand I have skills, I have something to offer. The fourth thing we do is we protect. We protect. Our goal is how do we prevent trafficking from ever happening? How do we stop the future exploitation of kids, women, families, anyone. So far, over 15,000 people have been served through our preventative efforts. Let me give you a little bit of breakdown of what that looks like. I'll show you a picture of the AIM school. I know there's words and maybe we'll move back, moving quick. So this is actually the village of Swipok where we spend a lot of our time. Give you a little context. Swipok, uh, when we first got there, this road right here that you see is paved now. It was dirt. And this street, this right here, was lined with brothels selling kids. Swipak was known for, had a reputation of selling kids. It was kind of the epicenter of it in Cambodia, if not all of Southeast Asia at one time. Today, here's what's crazy. This tall building right here, that's a church. This right here, that's an employment center. This right here, as you can tell, that's AIM school. And what's cool is that road is paved and kids can rollerblade down it now. I saw a video of it not long ago and, I, and this has actually been paved since the last time I was there in 2018. And I, they said something about kids rollerblading and I was like, wait a second, wait. Uh, the street is dirt. And they're like, oh no, it's been paved. I was like, what? Kids are rollerblading. And they can go out in the evenings. And it's, a safe, it's, it's growing and being a safe place. But it didn't happen overnight. It took a long time and committed people who just kept saying yes to Jesus and things like this came together. So the AIM school is a place that's serving 600 students between our elementary school and our English academy. Kids club, which happens out of the church and ultimately around the, the communities, is serving hundreds of kids on a weekly basis. Here's something I love about the school, a playground. Now, I know for us, this may not be a big deal. We have playgrounds all over the place. We have our schools and parks. Personally, I have never seen another playground in the country of Cambodia, except this one. And that's at the AIM school. And I, I love it because it's a safe place where kids can just be kids. 
And that's our heart, is that they would know that, they know they're safe. Another, another thing that we do on the preventative side, we confront demand. So there's two, there's two focuses. How do we address the vulnerabilities in our community? Who is the most susceptible to the traffickers? And we know that is the poorest of the poor. And so that's who we serve through our preventative measures. The, the school, the kids club, anything that we offer is to serve those individuals who would otherwise be the target of traffickers. The second part of that is how do we confront demand? We had to ask ourselves that question. How do we stop the cycle of demand? How do we reach men? So in 2009, we started what was called the Lord's Gym. You can go and show that one. It's a Muay Thai boxing gym. If you know anything about Muay Thai boxing, it is like violent. Like it is just intense. So I was there on a mission trip, uh, my first one actually, a friend of mine uh, who uh, ultimately went on, he fought in the UFC for a couple years. He was training uh, at the time. And so he was on his second mission trip over. He's like, hey, you should come train in the gym with me. And I was like, okay, that sounds cool. Like I like, you know, athletic types things. I go in the gym the morning, first morning. I thought they were gonna kill me. I was like, I, that's not my background at all. I don't, I've not done any of that. I was like, um, I'm going to pass. Like, I'm going I'm to go do the other stuff that feels a little safer, like not getting punched in the face type of thing. So a couple of days later, he comes over and he's actually bleeding from just above his eye, laughing about it. I was like, we may be cut from two different cloths possibly. You know, you think that's fun. I'm like, I'd, I'd prefer not to go in there and get beat up. Um, but it has been an incredible tool to reach and disciple men. And we have a coach that deeply loves Jesus and has a heartbeat for discipling men. So that's our four pillar approach to addressing trafficking. Now, here's where I think sometimes we land after something like this. It's easy to go. It sounds like you guys have it figured out. Good for you. I'm going to move on. Right? That's, that's easy sometimes. Right? I, can, I can present this, this ni nicely formed thing. But here's what I've sat with over the last few weeks and months, actually, is, as I've worked alongside of a number of churches around the country, it's this. We, and by we I mean the church, Big C Church, the church around the world globally, we're uniquely qualified to address this issue of human trafficking and many more global issues that we're facing today. Right? We are sent, sent to the least of these. This is exactly what it means to be the church. It's what Matthew 25, right? Matthew 25, 35, and 36 says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. We have been uniquely gifted, hardwired, created, crafted, placed for such a time as this to address issues like this. So the plan, what's the plan? I learned this a number of years ago and I've heard it a couple times since. It's, it's this idea of this. You and I are, are created with a unique set of skills that was given to you, gifted to you. And there are also unique needs the world has that you are qualified to meet. And qualified simply because God, Jesus, Holy Spirit lives in you. 
Here's the interesting part. There are also issues that you're going to become incredibly passionate about. Things that just stir that justice muscle inside of you that when you hear about them, you just get, you go into that mode and, and maybe this is one of them. So, so here's the encouragement. We'll talk a little bit about this in just a second. Is this, your, your gifts and skill sets with where God has placed a deep passion with you, within you, there's an overlap. And there's some needs that fall in there and I'll say this, those are the needs that you need to double down on investing in. Those, in a sense, those are the needs that you are being sent to address. Let me give you some specific kind of examples of what this can look like at times. The first one is, is give. Right? I know give sometimes gets a bad name because everybody's like, oh, you're just asking for. No, no, I'm talking about time, talents, and resources. You have been given, gifted certain things to give from. God has given them to you, entrusted them to you to steward them to now turn around and give out time, talents, resources. Your generosity, it goes a long way in the global fight of human trafficking and more issues. We could just continue to go on with those. With AIM, there's also on Give We Shop. There, there's a way to shop through AIM where you can support women who are being protected from trafficking, who are learning job skills, who are a part of something incredible. The second thing I would encourage you is share. You have a voice. You have the ability to tell people what's going on in the world and you use it for good. Make people aware there are issues happening, but there's also work being done. It's not enough to just make people aware. You need to invite them into the work that is being done. It's kind of why I'm here today to help you understand. I didn't want to just leave you with the idea of, hey, there's a giant slavery issue in our world. Figure it out. I wanted to help you understand there's work being done. There's ground being gained. And you can be part of it. The third one is serve. Serve. You can serve. You, you can put those skill sets to work, right? As you look around your community, you look around Rising Sun, Ohio County, Southeast Indiana, the tri-state area, what are the vulnerabilities in our community, within our region, that we can begin to address as the church to prevent people from being vulnerable? I'll give you an example. Kentucky, right across the river, three years running, has the highest rate of child abuse. Indiana, most recently, was number one for child abuse deaths. The most susceptible, or one of the most susceptible populations in our country, in the U.S., to human trafficking, are those who have experienced the foster care system and runaways and people who have experienced abuse. We have the ability as the church to begin to engage and serve and support and ensure that things like that don't happen, that we are not at the top of the list anymore, that those things begin to change. We turn the story around. You can become a CASA advocate where you can be a voice for kids who are in the foster system who don't have a voice. You can prioritize your kids and student ministries here at your church to serve your families and your community and begin to just say, we're going to commit to raising up good families. Because we know that when we do that, we're preventing trafficking from ever happening. We're erasing the vulnerabilities in our community. And you can also work as a church to confront demand. Discipling one another, building one another up, having sometimes having difficult conversations. 
But here's why I want to say this. Anyone can make a difference. Anyone. A couple of examples. I said at the beginning, uh, Don and Bridget, when they started AIM, they were in their early 50s. And now they're still with us. They're in their late 60s now, still pushing ahead, still working hard, still casting vision and leading out AIM. This past summer, I've had the opportunity to work with a couple of church camps. Elementary through high school students have put their resources together. Hundreds of them came together over the course of the summer, and they raised over $25,000 to invest in freedom. Kids who just said, I've got this, I've got that. Well, let's pull it together and let's see what God can do with it. And they did. So here's this. The church is sent on mission to meet the needs of the least of these. Right? We're uniquely positioned to go and serve and meet needs and to be the voice for the voiceless. And I would say that many of us have experienced that on a personal level, that someone has done that at some point in our lives for us. Right? It may not be related to a, a human trafficking or a slavery issue, but you know someone You've had someone who's stepped into your life, pursued you, helped you understand who Christ is, his love for you, the rescue, the redemption, the freedom that you have. And now it's our turn to return the favor. Kind of here's where I want to land with this. Is this. Ephesians 2.10 says this. It says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Here's, here's the thing I love, is this. We were made for this. We were made for this. There are certain things that get you fired up. There are certain things that you are incredibly skilled and gifted at. We were made for this. You were made to be sent on mission to do good work that God prepared in advance for you. He knew that you would be the one to step out and do it. And what's cool is we, as a church, get a chance to be a part of someone's freedom story because of what we're doing here today. Because of what you'll do with this information, how you'll move with it, how you'll respond to it. So my hope is this, threefold. I hope you've grown a bit in your awareness of what human trafficking is and how it's affecting the world we live in. It's in all states in the US. It's happening here on our continent. So this isn't just a global issue that's happening overseas. It's, it's close to home. It's here. The, there's part of the, there's a, another slide I wanna show you. If, if you have any, any interest in connecting with AIM, learning more about us, I've got some cards out in the lobby that you can grab. It's got more information on it. Here's some of our websites. If you wanna snap a shot of that on the screen, just some ways you can follow along here. Stories about rescue and restoration that's going on and how God is continuing to partner with us in the work towards freedom. Because that's the second thing I want you to understand is this. I hope you've begun to see how God partners with us to push back the darkness. It's not just random and crazy people running into stuff. It's with God, because of God, through God. Because every step of the way, we could have easily said, I'm not actually qualified to do this. And that would have been true. But because of God, these things are happening. Light is pushing back darkness. 
Ground is being gained in this fight. Third thing I want you to understand is this. You, I want you to see that you were made for things like this and that you're being sent on mission. So again, another three things and, I'll, and then I'll be done. There's this. Here's what I want you to do this week. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask yourself three questions because these three questions will guide you into taking some action because I can't tell you what your action is going to be, but you can. First is this, what has God given me that I can give to others? What has God given me that I can give to others? Second one, who can I share that with? God's given me something, who do I need to make sure that I'm sharing that with? The third thing is this, where do my skills overlap with the needs of my community and my world? Where do my skills overlap with the needs of my community and our world? Because when you begin to see those things happening, you will begin to see the place that you are uniquely gifted to serve. Where everything plays out, God is utilizing you in ways you never could imagine, doing stuff that you never thought was possible. It's at the, it's at the convergence of those things. When you begin to understand your skill sets and you begin to see who it is you're supposed to be serving and you begin to understand what God has gifted you with. God's on the move and he's inviting you to join him. And all it takes is your yes. And so I would, I would leave you with this, is don't underestimate what God can do with your yes. So I know every, every week we have an opportunity just to respond to that. So I just kind of want to give you a little bit of directions as we, we're going to sing in a moment and I know that the team's going to be back in the back. And if that's something you're curious about, you want to learn about, or you're ready to say yes to Jesus, man, I'd invite you during that time, just go back and spend some time. Talk with them, ask questions, ask for prayer. But, but God is constantly inviting us into his story whether it's in an issue like this or maybe it's the first time stepping in that relationship with him, he is inviting us to just say yes. And I promise you this, when you do, you will be amazed at what he does in you and through you. So let me pray for us. God, I just, uh, I'm thankful for um, what you've done. I'm thankful for what you continue to do in us and through us. I know at times that we can feel like, man, we're not qualified or we don't deserve this or whatever it may be. I'm grateful that you say, come to me and you use us and you've wired us and you gifted us. So God, I pray that you would guide us today and beyond, that we would just have clarity around now what it is you're, you want to use us to do. That God, we would have an, a passion that comes only from you, that we would understand our gifts and we would just really see where that intersects with the needs of the world and that you would send us compelled and convicted on mission to serve the least of these. God, we're grateful. We pray this on Jesus' name. Amen. It's been great hanging out with you guys today. I hope that message challenges you and encourages you today. We would love to have you on campus sometime at one of our services at 8.30 or 10.45 on Sunday. Or to find out more information about RSEC, you can always go to the RSEC Family app or follow us on any social media platform at RSEC Family. Most of all, remember, you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says you matter. Now go and be blessed.